Welcome to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. In this episode, you'll hear a conversation with director Alfonso Gomez-Reyan about his new film, The Current War, moderated by Scott Mance. This conversation was recorded at the Landmark in Los Angeles on the film's opening weekend. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a great Q&A right now with the director of The Current War, Alfonso Gomez-Reyan. Uh, so, Alfon- first of all, it's great to see you. Great to see you uh, again. You know, uh, my first question really is when, when you made Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, uh, right? Yes, let's hear from Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. So what specifically were you looking for for your film after that? It, um, I was working on a couple of things that uh, didn't quite come together, and then I made a, a pilot that was like a labor of love. Um, that was a, a, a thing called Citizen that I thought I always thought was going to be my first film a hundred years ago, and, um, and things were taking a while to come together. And I almost made another movie, and then um, then I read this one, and uh, at first I didn't see any kind of connection with, the, and were interested in like making a movie about electricity. But I I I, I started thinking about it in different terms, and and. And it wasn't about Edison and Westinghouse. It was ego and humility, and 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 how far a man will go to be remembered. And and looking at it now, I think with a little time, I've seen, I can see some, uh, a lot of connections to me and Earl, and and which is so much about grief, and this one is so much about um, Edison trying to defy nature and 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 uh, and uh, keep his wife alive and. Um, Using motion pictures, and there's just some connections there that it took me a while to see, but uh, they're they're, yeah. they're yeah. very clear now, which uh-huh. makes it even more personal. And and so this whole release has been, it's been such a journey. That, so the release has been uh, quite emotional. You know, the uh, scope of this film is obviously uh, a whole lot bigger than me and Earl. So what were initially the the, the hurdles and challenges that you faced in in taking on something that was a uh, that was bolder and bigger? It was a studio movie and a lot of uh, personalities and, and opinions. And and um, and but it was so there was an art to navigating that, but ultimately it just comes down to you looking to an actor's eye on set, you know, and 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 try to get to the truth of a scene, and and with great preparation, with some uh, friends that and family that have been that made me neural with me, David Trachtenberg, the editor, Chung Woon Chung, the cinematographer. They came along for the ride. You know, you feel more comfortable because you have some, you have a safety net there, and um, and you had these, you know, had these big ideas of how to make a, a period movie that felt like the future, not the past, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and interpreting the past and maybe getting closer to what it might have felt like as opposed to reproducing it exactly the way it was. And um, so, so yeah, that that was uh, it was so it was it was a bigger scale, and that was always very exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, when you. When you're a kid thinking of making movies, you always think it's Gone with the Wind or something massive. Yeah, sure. So it's always fun to, to be get lost in that world, but ultimately it just comes down to you looking into an actor's eyes. Well, when you when you have uh, uh, you these these two main guys, you know Edison and Westinghouse, you know you're watching the film and they're they're never they're like they're only together for like one scene. It's one like one like one and a half. It's it's like Heat, the movie Heat, uh, with Pacino and De Niro, and and like they're. When you came to casting, what what were you looking for initially? Like, like what made Michael Shannon the perfect Westinghouse, and what made Benedict Cumberbatch the perfect Edison? It 
was a contemporary American feel to the to the piece, and, and Benedict was already attached to the film, uh, uh, to the to the project. So when I met on the project, I met with him, and then uh, we skyped, and I went to London, and we talked to make sure we were seeing the same film. I I, I told him how I saw it and how I saw Westinghouse and well actually how I saw Edison <laughs> and um, and once you have him and we were in sync um, and then it was about casting the right couple uh, opposite him um, and had uh, Alan Lewis the great casting director cast this movie with Theo Park in, in, in London and the first meeting was this is a great rock and roll couple because all my references were concert films for this David Bailey photography and um, and Maisels and Pennebaker I wanted to do something that had a lot of uh, that a musicality to it and and oh, um, okay. and uh, and and you know Bowie was Tesla it was a reference for Tesla not you know, for the look and the men who felt Earth Nick Rogue kind of a thing mm -hmm. and um, and she said I have the the great rock and roll couple for you, Michael Shannon and Catherine Waterston. And it just made sense. And it also Americanizes Benedict in some ways. And it was just about keeping them oh, in the same point. kind of uh -huh. universe. Uh -huh. um, so that I knew I was going to be intercutting between these two storylines. And you want to make sure everyone had that vibe that was very contemporary. One thing I, I really loved about film is the cinematography. Uh, Chung Hoon Chung? Yeah. Uh, just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous film. Uh, how did you land? This, this awesome cinematography. Chung shot me and Earl, and then Chung shot something else for me, and we're, we're about to work together again. Um, he's just came out of nowhere for me and Earl. I, um, I was interviewing photographers, and I'm a big fan of his work, and you know Park Chan-wook's films, and he didn't make sense for that film, but he is this, the funniest guy on the planet, and always talks about character, and really gets what we wanted, what you know, how I think about just the craft, and. And for this one, we you know we storyboarded the whole film and then threw it out, and it just bit, except for certain sequences where like the Chicago World's Fair, they're very carefully designed. We didn't have a lot of money to make this film, and um, and then we just uh, we we just went into it, and this is all the departments: Jan Roth's production design, David, and and uh, with editing, and Michael Wilkinson's beautiful costumes about mm -hmm. breaking rules because we were making a movie about the future, about. Uh, these three men, they were the, the original disruptors and, 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 and almost wanted to make a movie that honored them and, and their uh, ambition and, and, um, and that energy and then musicality of it that, uh, that you wanted to kind of create something and then deconstruct it. Mm -hmm. And so we always wanted to break some rules. And um, so even we carefully designed everything, we would, we would uh, walk into it. And, and I always felt like, again, I had that, that net so that if, um, I, it, would, it gave me the freedom to 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 just be with the perform to work on the performances and and be present for them. You know, Benedict and Michael Shannon are they're phenomenal actors, and they're also very different uh, have very different approaches to to the craft. I was wondering, like, what impressed you about each of these guys, and what surprised you? They're very much ACDC, you know, in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they're like, I mean, they, they really are. So, and Benedict, we it shot like two movies. We shot the Edison movie, and then shot the the Westinghouse movie. And they we had they had a one moment in the courtroom scene, but they don't say anything to each other. And then the big scene at the end. And um, yeah, so they just need different things. And and my my job is to get the best, create the the, the best atmosphere that's safe for them to, and allow them to create and, and, and go on that journey together. But um, Benedict had the benefit of a little more uh, uh, rehearsals mm -hmm. 
because he was the first to go and he was we were in London he was free and and, and uh, Shannon was uh, was working on a different film that went over a bit so he was like coming uh, so um, but we he he's, he comes from the theater so he really respected the text so we would just talk about the text and talk about the scene every day and do like a mini mini rehearsal every day just to be in sync uh, but he just they just both kind of surrendered. Uh, to yeah. me and 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 the project and did a lot of research um, uh, so they they need different things and I just hopefully create an environment where they they could they could fly and, and create so when I saw this movie for the first time it was in September of 2017 PTSD okay and it was a very different film and so this is September of 2017 and then one month later, a whole lot changed. Uh, Harvey Weinstein, like the whole that whole thing blew up, and and the the movie's distributor at the time was the Weinstein Company. So, what happened after October to you and to the movie? Um, I mean, look, it's 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 a great dinner we could all have together and yeah um, yeah but no we could i mean it, it leading up to tiff is a fantastic story of, and then post tiff tiff is about trauma <laughs> and then um and then how the power of one screening how it was meant to be a, a work in progress mm -hmm. um and i went into it knowing that i had lost a lot of battles and battles and it was heavily compromised um and still a little bit of hope that there was still three months to go before the release and and then that screening just defined it, and um, and then you lose a lot of leverage after something like that. And then new cuts were it, we were constantly battling about um, the versions of the film, and and there was a fear of making Benedict unlikable, which was the, the kiss of death at times, and over-explaining all that all that could go wrong when a filmmaker kind of would lose his vision and his control over a film, and then two weeks later it all implodes and it it's frozen in time. And, uh, and that's painful, um, not knowing what's gonna happen to your film, uh, knowing that you've lost control of your film, but always dreaming that, that you can maybe get it back because it wasn't, quite, it wasn't released yet. So it was worth the fight, and the fight lasted a, over a year, and always, it would, but the silence was a gift, um, in hindsight. In the moment, it's it's, it's uh, horrible. Not in the moment. No, I, I but in hindsight, yeah. it, it gave me a chance to, to the, the ideas kind of settle and you realize where you lost your way in the movie. You get ex excited about the movie that it, you, you always wanted to make and, and potentially could still make. So here's the thing. So, so when you have a, a film that says, like the current word director's cut, and then you have a film like Blade Runner director's cut or Apocalypse Now director's cut, you know, Blade Runner has like so many cuts, I lost count at six <laughs> or, or five. I don't know, see, see what I mean? Um, but in this case, your cut is the is the version that that people are really seeing in terms of the general public for the first time, and like talk about like having a, an objective, fresh approach to completely reconfigure this movie. Who came to your rescue? Well, there's a lot of people. My mother's in the audience. She rescued me. She was the first to rescue me. Um, Yay, mom! <laughs> <laughs> no, um, look, my I had a, a very incredible. Uh, I had a, have a great 
team of representatives, and one of them had worked with Harvey for many, many years, decades. And uh, even though I had Final Cut language in my deal, um, he sometimes or often doesn't honor that or respect that. So in, just in case something went wrong and everything went wrong, uh, Scorsese was uh, who I had, you know, he had mentored me in, you know, in a, you know he's been in my life for a while. Um, That's Martin. Yes, Scorsese. <laughs> Sal, his cousin. And he was the clause that said if, every, if everything went wrong with the film, that, that Scorsese would get final cut, not Harvey, and not even me. And I said, I was, I was, okay, I was okay with that, because it, it would never come to that, and then it came to that. And a year later, um, as I was, I kept thinking, and alien, alienating a lot of people in my life, and people that are very close to me telling me to just drop it and move on, but I couldn't let it go. Um, I just, it wasn't ripped away from me yet. And uh, I kept thinking of how to make it better and how to get back to the film I always wanted to make. And um, had all the scenes on my desk and I would jot down notes and had the storyboards for them just in case I got that call. And instead of a call, I woke up and just looked at trades or something like that. And, and I know exactly that. And, and the movie was getting a release internationally. And we all called each other and had no idea which version of the movie, what, who, what. It, no one knew anything. Amazing. And so we were able to stop that because Scorsese technically, legally never got his final cut. So it wasn't a final cut of the film. Mm -hmm. And uh, we stopped everything. Scorsese got his final cut and he gave it right back to me. And, uh, and then eventually I found myself in the, in, in, in the editing room with David looking at footage I hadn't seen in a year. And, uh, and going back and seeing your mistakes and reliving that moment in time again it's especially the music is so powerful this is a different score but that score the score is amazing yeah danny benson and sonar jurians and uh but you hear a piece of music even today well you know we could all go back to a breakup with a piece of music and and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's very powerful so there's a lot of those feelings and and little by little started taking it back and steering it back to where it was supposed to be which is very close to the very very original cuts of the film and then realizing we needed a few more scenes and getting the cast together for one more day and shooting a handful of scenes how was that how difficult was that to to get the cast back for it, for some of that it wasn't as difficult it was difficult than, you know benedict has a mustache that's drama you know what are we going to do um uh, yeah. so you just time it to where he's going to finish this film before he goes on to the next thing and he's going to shave and and then that saturday Everybody else was free too, and then we just found ourselves within a month of getting the footage back, maybe six weeks, in a farmhouse outside of London and uh, shooting this student film of five scenes with uh, Benedict in one room and Nick Holt in the other room. And uh, it, was, it was great fun that everyone got together just to support uh, uh, this kind of rebirth and this new w w phase of the film and seeing it until the end. So, so you're, you're, you go on set to do principal photography on a movie that you had filmed, whatever, a year and a half before, I mean. It felt great, it felt great. Okay, good. It felt great. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a very surreal set of circumstances that in post-production, um, just just when you think it got, it was hard, it got harder and cruel, it was got worse, and then, and then the studio had vanishes, and then the studio collapses, and then it was just very surreal, but it did, allow for a second chance. Mm -hmm. The worst part of the story would have been that that old version would be the one that would be out and the movie would, would come and go and that would be it. And that would define me and without, and, 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 and the people that took the journey with me mm -hmm. that I felt a responsibility for. The, uh, the things that I noticed from the, the first to the second cut were, first of all, the movie, that the pacing is, is much more seamless 
and and it's a faster movie. There's more energy to it. There's more urgency to it. It, it the, the story is more engrossing uh, and absorbing. Uh, only great things. But the other thing I noticed is that the the character of Edison, uh, he I remember he 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 was a lot more abrasive. Uh, for lack of a better term, in the direct in the in the newer cut, and uh, a little, I guess, less likable, you know. But not that I, mean, I think that made for a better film. Yeah, the, the, the having two nice guys fight it out isn't that interesting. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you had voiceover explaining, you know, how he felt in every scene. Uh, but so, but so it was nice because Edison, you know, we that was this is the version of Edison that that Benedict and I agreed on, warts and all. We wanted to go there. As long as you understood why he went there, and and um, and that's why his relationship with Mary is so important. And when she's gone, and, and yeah. um, you, you you that person that would center him and and and, and press like reset, and that moral compass is gone, then the ambition would then take over. But it did allow it to to explore that side of myself as well, and and it's it's clearer here that not only the ambition, but this kind of this, you know, trying to define nature and, and try to understand and process grief and, 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 and being in denial. And even at the end of the, you know, the last scene of the film in the, in the movie theater where, you know, yes, he, he lost Niagara, so he just took it right back from them. And two, he trapped nature again in a box. And three, it's really, he's, it's storytelling. He's recording a memory of his wife where they honeymooned and um, still in denial, yeah. and st but yeah. still moving forward and looking ahead. There was a lot to him that I that I really love uh, that character and the, the, uh, that interpretation of Edison. The when, at what point during, you know, round two, when you're editing between the the, the version that existed and then reconfiguring that with the reshoots and then, uh, uh, you know, with the new score. At what point did you start to feel like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, now now I'm happy. <laughs> I don't think I ever get to that point, but but but, <laughs> but 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 no, I do I do I'm very proud of it. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. a triumph for everybody that made this film to like win and 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 still be here and standing. Um, but um, there was a time I think when we started getting the first few cues from Danny and Sonder that it was exactly the sound that I wanted, uh -huh. and everything starts to come together, and then losing babies that I loved uh, for all the wrong reasons, and I'd maybe been holding on to them, and I needed that distance, and all of a sudden the energy started to flow and um and yeah and then the one t the tiniest little change at the very end of the, f uh, the which is the last the last thing we changed uh, not that long ago was when edison's son looks through the kinetoscope and sees his mom that used to be his sister and the last moment was like, oh, it has to be his wife you know it has to be you know his mom but it has to be benedict's wife he's now She's now alive still, and he's been obsessing over her this entire time, and now she's in motion, and then that, and it just added a whole other layer that I felt kind of, when we cut it in there, it just kind of, I felt some real emotion, and I felt what he was feeling, and, and it added another dimension to him, because he's gone to the dark side, and he's made so many poor choices, uh, horrible choices, but, um, but there's still that humanity in him. And if you can connect with that, then maybe you can see a bit of yourself as well. And I thought that worked. You know, the other thing that, that I really connected to is that, that line, uh, it's, he says, it's not currents, it's currency, right? And you're just seeing just how, how like these guys are opportunists. They have raging egos uh, and they are uh, capitalists. You know, they are, they are de definitely... You know, it's not about the, the, the discovery, the invention of, a, you know, the current and the power. It's, 
it's about currency. And like, could it be any more modern yeah. than that? Yeah, and th th that scene, that was important. That also was my worst nightmare, that scene of feel, that was written for this new phase of the film because that was the fear of, being, of dying a dreamer, which was, was happening to Tesla at that time, yeah. in that moment, in that scene. Oh, yeah. um, and you, your voice is being ripped away. There's, you're never gonna be that person. You're gonna die a dreamer and you're an immigrant, you know? Uh, so that, that meant, that, that worked, uh, I think, well. And yeah, it was, it is, I think, relevant. And, and you know, you have Branson and Musk and, 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 and uh, Bezos racing to the moon, but I, I, I don't know who's gonna be remembered in 100 years and, and why. Right, exactly. Uh, I wanna open up to the audience uh, for, for questions, uh, but I, I, one, one more thing I just wanna ask, uh, when, when you, Finally, had your director's cut set. What did, what did like Michael Shannon? What did Benedict Cumberbatch think of the the well, they new just version? Saw it uh, Monday. Yeah. What uh, they think? No, they, they, they. It's been it's been a very uh, emotional. It's been it's been a great time. They're very proud of it. Uh, Big hugs. A lot of hugs. Yeah, some, maybe it. some tears. Sorry. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, sir, you had a question. Yeah. Uh, what role did really did Marty play? I'm a friend of his. Um, exactly that role. He. In that he was a, he gave me the gift of freedom, uh, to be able to to work, and and recut the film. He gave notes along the way, along with Elmas Goodmaker. Uh, not often he was prepping the Irishman, but he saw two or three cuts of it and gave the greatest notes because it's Scorsese giving you notes, so they're clear, they're not prescriptive the way a studio would be. Like do these thirty things, he would say he would fought for me. Uh, there was a moment where we might have lost the Civil War flashbacks, and he believed in them um, as much as I did. Um, there were uh, some sequences where he gave me ideas, but it was the thing about him which makes him so great um, and, and such a giant is that, that generosity, and he understands that it's not his film, it's your film. So he can maybe give you notes the way another colleague might, but his notes are always gonna be better because it's him. But what he did was give me that gift of freedom. It's not that he took the movie away because he had Final Cut. He just handed it over to me because it's my, you know, after that entire episode, it's like your chance to like to get it back to what you think is the best version for you and uh, and supporting me along the way. So the gift of freedom is, that, uh, you know, it's... Were you in New York? Was Thelma and Marty in New York? I was, I was, no, no, they were always in New York. I was, we, we cut in London, we cut in... LA, cut in London, cut a little in New York, um, but mainly there were uh, a couple of meetings. Uh, 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 Thelma came over to the cutting room once, but Thelma's been a friend and a mentor, and I talked to her weekly uh, about everything. Uh, so um, so she was able to, you know, they're the greatest friends and mentors you'd you would wish for, especially when you go, some, you go through something like this. They they gave you the, so that so what did Marty do? Something only that Marty can, which is the freedom to another filmmaker. That's the greatest gift. Uh, got time for one more question, and it's yours. What's your question? How did you come to the story originally? Not a very interesting story. It it it, it when I was looking to, I, I wanted to read things that were out there, as some of the things that I was working on were taking a little bit longer to to, to gel, and the movie the the script had made the blacklist. And uh, so it was submitted to me uh, just to read, just like a sample, really, from uh, Michael Mitnick's. And, and, um, and again, I, at first, I, I, I only saw the top layer. Then I started seeing everything else that I could kind of latch on to personally. Then he and I met, and then we kept talking about it. And then, and then I, f I was fully in. So 
after everything you went through to make this movie now, the version that you got to, your cut of it, moving forward, what's something you're going to be super careful about so something like this never happens again? <laughs> I mean, it can. I mean, I think it's all about why put something out in the world? Why make something? And it's worth the fight. You know, it, it, it's worth dying for and fighting for. And as long as it's clear, if it wasn't so clear and it was a gig, you, you would have I would have moved on a long time ago. But I couldn't. And so I think, and I hope that everyone is um, as passionate about anything, everything else I make in the future, so that they are. You're prepared for the biggest fight, and hopefully, it won't be this bad. But uh, yeah. but the, it's all worth fighting for. And and and, and it's very so. You have to be re really clear why you're making it and why you're putting this out in the world. Well, thank you for not moving on until you were ready to move know. on. Could, and ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. And please spread the word about the current war. Have a great night. Thanks so thank much, you. Alfonso. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theaters Q&A podcast. If you want to hear more conversations with filmmakers about the latest independent, foreign, and documentary films opening at Landmark Theaters, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit our podcast website at landmarktheaters.podbean.com. You can also check out our YouTube channel for videos of Q&As and other exclusive content. See you next time.